Retro Rebel Gamecast is brought to you by TempleofGeek.com, your one-stop shop for all things geek. You can find all of our episodes and fulfill your sci-fi, fantasy, and geek culture-related needs at TempleofGeek.com. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics. Retro Rebel is released every Friday, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com, iTunes, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You can even find us on Facebook at Temple of Geek for exclusive content and to see what else we're up to. My name is Stacy, and with me is my fellow Rebel co-host, Amanda. Hello. Welcome. Hello. How are things? Uh, things are good, you know, living my best life. Living your best life. Yes, lounging, apparently. Obviously. Yep, this is probably the most relaxed I've ever recorded, but <laughs> it's a Saturday, so you get That's maximum right. lounge. Maximum lounge. Well, what have you been playing? I've been playing Anthem like there's a dent in my couch. Listen, that that <laughs> game's really grown on me. Nice. I am impressed, and that makes me curious now about it, I'm wanting to play it more, because originally when it, you know, I've said this multiple times, I wanted to play it when it was first announced. Then, then it was released and and uh, and not so good. So, so what? What? Anything? Any new developments? Anything new about the game? I've I beat it. I've, I've beat oh, wow. the game. Yeah. Wow. I, I've beat it. And you know what? It actually doesn't take that long to beat. I would probably say like forty hours, somewhere around there, which is pretty standard, I think. Maybe a lot less if you didn't do any of the side missions. But I think that would make the final mission quite hard unless you did it on easy. But uh-huh. it's not bad. I would say at some points the story is a bit tenuous where you're like, get out of here with your tropes. But, you know, it's fun to fly around in a suit, man. Like, I really think the gameplay mechanics are some of the most fun that I've played in a long time. And really, isn't that the point? So No, it is. Absolutely. And uh, maybe if there was just more to do, it would be, I don't know, maybe looked at a little bit more fondly. But again, I'm speaking from not having played it at all. You seem to really enjoy it. And so that uh, I, I hold your opinion in high regard. I would, I, would, uh, I would give this a go. 40 hours to me also may be out of my wheelhouse. Um, I yeah, think I mean, the- I did full completionist, though. So I, you know. Yeah. You don't tend to do that anyway. I did all I the side missions until they wouldn't let me do side missions anymore, and I was forced to complete the story. Oh, nice. Yeah, so uh, you know what? Some of the side missions I enjoy more than the main story. There's yeah. a side mission with the like researcher group, the Arcanists. And this isn't spoilers, but I just found it particularly enjoyable because the voice acting in the character was pretty fantastic. Um, but there's a plot twist that saw one of my other favorite characters, like, leave the party. And I was upset about that because they never came back and I, I liked them better than the ones I got stuck with. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, well, uh, like that's a glowing endorsement. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And I, I think I'm not at this point ashamed to start a game and definitely not finish it because that would just join the long list of games that are already there in that area. <laughs> So, uh, you know, just to get to, it would be a rent though for me. So I would, I think that I've learned my lesson enough that I could not 
justify paying full price for a game that I already in my heart know that I'm not going to finish. And if I really love it, then I can go get it. And I'm willing to bet that by that time, it's it's going to be discounted. So Yeah, I mean, I just pick it up used. It can't be that expensive now. What, like 20 bucks, you know, Yeah. at this point? Especially because they announced that they're not going to support it as much as they had said they were going to originally so i mean you know what pick it up like honestly it's probably the most fun i've had grinding in years you know the the gameplay mechanics once you get the hang of it are actually really fun like you feel really cool flying at high speed and then instantly hovering you know what i mean like once you learn how to do it you can do sort of fancy flying moves and like zip around enemies and stuff i don't know it's fun like you know that's the point i'm sure no it is absolutely Uh, well i have not been playing uh anthem i have been playing a a lot of games for a short period of time uh i i jumped back into near automata to try to i mean because i've really enjoyed that game in terms of like the mechanics and uh the story i don't really know what's going on yet uh they kind of drip feed you the story but it the gameplay is interesting enough that i've enjoyed getting to the you know to the story however it does not lead you by the hand like it is not it is it is definitely the learning curve is is much more steep on that particular game and although i know the mechanics in terms of shooting and jumping and and uh you know transitioning between my sword and guns and whatever some of the boss fights, or at least the boss fights in the very first section of the game. Like, I haven't gotten past the first section of the game. Uh, so the first hour or so, maybe two hours of the game, you are um, you crash landed on this planet. And you're investigating these very this very large, uh, this facility. It looks, like a, it looks like an oil drilling facility, like an offshore drilling facility. That's right. kind of the, the feel of it. Lots of catwalks and and beams and stairwells and and uh, it's kind of like its own little self-contained area. But you you fight a lot of mechs and and uh, the the two the the boss I guess the boss that I have you know the buzzsaw literally and figuratively that I've run into are these two arms that have these giant saws on them and basically you're supposed to take the saws out. With you can't stop them from from coming down on the platform where you're standing. You're supposed to avoid them, and so there's a there a way to avoid them. And then when they're there, you're supposed to hit them while they're spinning, and then they they sweep across, and you've got to find a way to avoid them. Well, I don't understand the controls and the mechanics of the controls well enough yet to know how to avoid that and not get hit. So I get hit every time. So right. it's just a matter of if do I do enough damage when they land to beat them and I've, I've i've destroyed one of them but there are two of them and it killed me well once it killed me there's no continue there's no like you restart from a checkpoint it just sent me to the title screen again as if i need to start completely over and i have not had the courage to hit enter and or to to start the game again to see where it starts because it was so discouraging that i was like F that I'm, I'm, I just don't, I don't want, I don't even (laughs) want to try. It just really got, it it just was so discouraging. I was like, man, I did all that. And I played for a couple hours and I was really enjoying it. 
and I didn't understand how I was. You you pick up items as you go. You pick up this a uh, health item that basically when you get when you get hit, it automatically utilizes it and it refills part of your uh, health. And when you run out of those, and then you get hit and then you die. That's when you actually die. So it's not like you have multiple lives. You just have to keep finding these. So it's a, a little bit like an RPG in that respect. Well. When I died, it just sent me to the title screen, and it didn't tell me there was no save point. I don't know where I am, and I don't have the courage to go in and hit start and see that I might have to actually start over. And I was like, nah, nah, let's play something else. I mean, you know the comment section is going to be full of get good. <laughs> oh, I know it. I know it, and and I bring it at at me in this particular instance. Um, so, so instead of beating my head against that wall, I, I turned about-faced you know, 90 degrees and started beating my head on a different wall. And I fired up World of Warcraft again. Oh, here um, we go. Yeah, well, uh, patch uh, 8.2.5 came out. For anybody that's playing, that makes sense. If you're not playing, well, then you can skip ahead to some point. Uh, can but, I skip ahead in this conversation? <laughs> yes, you, you continue <laughs> with your nails while I while I do this. Um, so they've, they've continued the story. The part of the the game that I've always enjoyed the most is the story. Uh, a lot of times you don't get the story in MMOs through actual voice dialogue. You get it from, you know, the written text. And so you have to read it. And that's not everybody's cup of tea. Well, WoW has done a much better job over the years, and especially in this expansion, of using voice actors, using cutscenes and cinematics. And this particular... There were two. This this uh, patch released two cutscenes, two cinematics that were really big in moving the story forward and the lore. And each week after this, there there are going to be quests that help flesh out the story even more than that. And and it was uh, anyway. That's I fired it up and and jumped back into the world and and got back to grinding and did the first few quests that they you know that that the new part the the new part of the lore. And I, I have to tell you, it is the best the story has ever been, and I've really, I've really enjoyed this part of it. I mean, it, I, I know that I'm a fanboy of Warcraft, Blizzard in particular, but Warcraft. But this is the best that the storytelling has been, in my opinion. Um, it, it has. They're just doing a really good job of weaving all of these threads together and, and, and to, to one common goal and keeping you kind of on your toes so you can't expect what's happening. Um, I try to not spoil it for myself because there's a lot of you know public test realm stuff and, uh, and lore that's out there that, that they've uncovered or they've, they've dug into the code and, and pulled out stuff. I try not to ruin it for myself. Um, and so I've been pleasantly surprised, and I've really enjoyed it, and um, and so that was fun. But it is also a grind. So I was back to doing. I actually started fishing, um, and so I was Yay, going all over Azeroth and and fishing and and then and cooking. It's so zen. Like I mean, you, I just, you can just kind of and it. You don't worry about fighting anything. I don't have to. I just fish. I catch fish. I go get other items. I cook. And and I've been raising those skills just because I've kind of done everything else. And uh, I don't really want to grind, wet rep grind right now. And um, I, you know, I, I might get in a looking for group or an LFG for a raid. 
And while I'm doing that, the two hours it takes for me to get into a raid, I'll just go fish. And by the time I'm done fishing after two hours, I don't have any time to raid anyway. So I just log off. <laughs> That's um, what I spent the last like month of my WoW subscription doing, just bloody fishing, man. It, just bloody it fishing. <laughs> it was fun. And then uh, the last game I played, uh, and, and this is actually out of order in the which I've played it, but when near Automata, I reached the point, I was like, I'm done with this. I actually was like, man, you know what I really want to play? And probably the best game that I have on my PlayStation besides The Last of Us is The Witcher 3. And I put it back in and I started playing it. And man, it's just it's just a really good game. It's solid. Did it's, you make it past the famous Griffin, the oh, very been, first mission? I, now, the Griffin is still on my horse, uh, Roach. But the, the head is anyway. So I'm still carting the head around. But uh, I've got a bunch of side quests, and basically all I did was uh, I had to reacquaint myself with the controls, pulling the silver sword or the steel sword and how to do all that yeah. stuff. I wasted a whole lot of potions on accident, uh, drinking them because I couldn't, couldn't remember the oh, controls. No. Uh, and then uh, and then just rode around fighting enemies kind of in my level so I could continue to... You know, I basically was just rep grind or uh, uh, XP grinding um, and getting resources, picking flowers. Uh, and then every now and then I'd find a, an NPC that had a quest and I'd go pick it up and go finish the quest and then go back to. So it was just nice to kind of get into that world without advancing the story necessarily because I hadn't I didn't want to do that yet. I like the side quests kind of like you do. If it's a good game, eh, side quests are worth it. So. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. Witcher's great. Yeah, so I so I've been playing that and it's and there are two expansions for that too that I can get for really cheap right now. And I I don't I mean I don't care that it's an older game. There's nothing out yet that I want to play, so maybe maybe Anthem I could Cyberpunk pick up for cheap. 2077. I know, the next it's game not I till can't wait for. It's not till next year, but I think I've got another one you might be interested in though. So um so that brings us to gaming news, and do you have any gaming news? Well, just one piece of gaming news. So uh, the Switch Lite is out in the UK and Europe, and it looks like it's £199, uh, which I think is a pretty decent price for an all-in-one console. So, you know, watch the space. I might pick it up, and then you'll have to rent games <laughs> for three months, as was the agreement. I know it. As per the agreement. And I have no problem with that. I think that you will not be disappointed and I will have saved money. So I think this is a win-win. <laughs> I don't think any, there are any losers here. That's good. Well, um, I do have some Nintendo news as well. Okay. The uh, Mario Kart series has released, or Nintendo has released a Mario Kart game for mobile uh, called Mario Kart Tour. I have not played it or picked it up because it is four ninety nine monthly. Oh, what the heck! I agree. I, I I feel like I read that wrong, but I had to go to a couple sources to find out, and I'm like, get out of town. That's the same price for Apple Arcade. Negative Ghost Rider. That's number one. The issue with it. The second thing is they have loot boxes in it, so Mario Kart Tours actually banned in Belgium already. So. Uh, two strikes against it. Uh, and then the last thing is, is from what I understand, you cannot play against 
other players online. You can only play against bots, and you have to you know earn the in-game currency. You can't even play as Mario off the bat. You have to unlock other characters using in-game currency, and I was like, it just made me sick. I was like, nope, nope, I'm not, uh, not gonna do it. Uh, I feel I hate that 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 particular game is kind of corrupted that way. Uh, I'd be surprised. I mean, Nintendo has done a good job of kind of staying off out of that realm and not really trying to capitalize too much on microtransactions. The way that some of these other at least make it free to play. Don't, you know, don't charge me monthly for it. And then also, I don't know, the four ninety nine a month thing just gets me. Especially when they're... Yeah, that's crazy. Their online service where I can get all these games I can stream is 20 bucks a year. So, they also uh, released a, a Dr. Mario themed... Basically, it's Dr. Mario, but it works like Candy Crush. So, another game that I'll never play. And, and a game that I actually always really liked i mean it was it was a nice change of pace from tetris and uh i don't know if you yeah you know you didn't really play mario super mario no not really (laughs) or or dr mario yeah it was a good game on nintendo i think they've had some other iterations as well and they released it um i think it's on the yeah it's on the 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 uh virtual console where I can download or I can stream it uh, through the Switch, so you can play it on the Switch for you know whatever your your uh, yearly twenty dollar fee for uh, you know their online service. Now you can play it anytime you want to for free. The Nintendo version of it. I have no intention of playing this uh, either one of these just because of the microtransactions. The fact that I have to pay monthly to pay play Mario Kart on my phone. Nope, negative. Uh. In other news, we had another trailer released for Jedi Fallen Order. Have you checked that out yet? I haven't, but I did see lots of advertisements telling me I should. <laughs> it's It looks good. I mean, to me, it looks a lot like um, The Force Unleashed. Okay. In how, you know, in the, in the gameplay and the mechanics. Uh, a cross maybe between The Force Unleashed and what they tried to do in the new Battlefront. Uh, game with the single player campaign so there's story elements there are a lot of other characters there's there's a lot of lore in it um you get to see and i'm and i'm i'm drawing a blank uh what a star wars fan i am i'm terrible i can't remember basically you had the and they're not night sisters but they're they're sith acolytes okay they're not sith lords but they're like acolytes that um, and in in the show Rebels, um, you saw a lot of them. That's where you. That's where they were really introduced. Was in Rebels, and there's there's like five or six brothers and sisters, or maybe like they're, they're numbered, and um, you know they're men and women anyway. That they're these Sith acolytes that carry red lightsabers. They basically have all the powers of Sith lords, for the most part at least. But they're like Sith lord light. <laughs> the Diet Coke uh, of Sith. The Diet Coke, Diet Cola of Sith. One calorie, and, uh, not even enough. <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, anyway, it's it's um, obviously uh, well for anybody that doesn't know uh, the story. The gist of it is is you've got a uh, 
I guess you're a Jedi, maybe just became a Jedi. You're not a Jedi master. Uh, and uh, this is after Order 66, and you're trying to kind of find your way through um, and survive uh, when you're like one of the last Jedi kind of out on your own. There is a cast of characters that you become friends with, and they kind of show that in this in this new trailer. But it looks good, and the powers that you have, like I said, it really is reminiscent of, of a Jedi or, or Force Unleashed. The first one, so uh, I, it looks promising for a Jedi or for a Star Wars game, and so I'm excited about it. Um, I'm, I'm, I am um, cautiously optimistic. Ca- that was the exact phrase I was looking for. Cautiously optimistic. Excellent. So, uh, and then, lastly, uh, and this is the game that I think that you might be interested in uh, the uh, the other world or the other worlds. I'm sorry, I, or the outer world. Yeah, okay, outer I was going to say what. Gosh. Outer Worlds um, is released October 25th. So that that this month is or this next month coming up. By the time this is released, <laughs> it will be next month. <laughs> it, uh, it will be October. And so, uh, yeah, so that game comes out this month. And that is actually one of the games that I've been looking forward to. Uh, it is an Obsidian developed game. Uh, all of the best things about, uh, you know, role playing games and dialogue trees and and you know kind of control and and agency over your character is supposed to be in this game uh it i feel like this is in good hands it's developed by uh you know a, a good studio and and i'm excited about it you know it's what fall fallout sequels probably should be in terms of the quality but you know it's in space uh, and, um you know i i don't know a whole lot about it i've kind of tried to stay in the dark other than mechanics and and what gets me excited about the games uh but yeah it releases the 25th sweet of this month so might be one to uh for uh, maybe a rent for you. add to my rental queue add to the queue so that's good yeah uh and that is it for the news which brings us to our main topic which we're going to uh which we've titled uh, Franken Horror, and this will be uh, part two, where we're going to go through a, a few more of our categories of creating our own horror game, which, uh, you know, our favorite genre. And um, <laughs> my favorite genre to watch other people play. <laughs> yeah, so just to recap the categories. So yeah. we did setting, stroke ambience, genre, and key gameplay mechanics last episode. So this one will be going through weaponry, story, stroke writing, and NPC dialogue. And then uh, the following uh, episode will go through inner character, any mature themes, and any wild card items. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Um, so let's go ahead and get right into it. Weaponry. So drawing from other games, like what kind of weaponry, uh, or even coming up kind of with a new original way to approach it. What kind of weaponry are you thinking about, uh, in your, in your Franken horror game? So, uh, I believe that it's dead rising, but you might have to correct me where you could, take weapons and then craft bits onto them to make them more powerful so like you know a shotgun with a knife on it and a sword with nails on it and a cricket bat with barbed wire and things like that if i'm remembering correctly so that's sort of the basis of what i would be looking at for my game obviously just to recap so it's underwater your survivor of a above water sort of 
apocalyptic event. You've been put into this life preserver, launched into the deep sea, um, and you can't go too high uh, in too close to the surface. Otherwise, you might become contaminated or, you know, something bad might happen to you. So you're sort of midway and in the depths of the ocean in a submarine with an antique diving helmet. And I think for weaponry, the goal is going to be to try to forage to utilize the environment to craft effective weaponry to protect you from sea creatures and any other human beings that you might encounter. So whether this is, you know, getting an anglerfish and attaching it to the end of a bit of rusty old pipe, you know, you'd have to be really <laughs> inventive with it because you've got limited tools and resources and you also have to kit out your submarine with effective weaponry. So maybe it's you wrap your submarine in electric eels or something, you know, like you really have to be quite creative here and come up with different ways to use the environment to craft weapons. And I think that would be scary in and of itself um, because you'd need to gather the supplies. Um, right. But also, you know, you would have to be quite smart about what you did because you could cause yourself a potentially life-threatening complication you know let's say you're using a, a rusty bit of wreckage um, and you don't have any masking tape to create a proper handle uh, any, any electrical tape to create a proper handle well you could get tetanus or something like that so um, you would have to think quite a lot about the things that you wanted to combine together and it would be sort of a trial and error but with deadly consequences <laughs> I like it. Um, man, I'm, I'm having a hard... I think I've got like three games in mind like that I'm... And, and I can go in any direction, but if I go in a direction, I don't think I can take all of the mechanics that I want in that direction. What, for weapons? Um, I mean, so. you say that, but last time we made a game, I definitely combined like three different weapons, so... <laughs> for sure, yeah. And I, and I think that I will ultimately do the same, but... Uh, for mine, I'd like to. I want it to be the the weaponry. I want it to uh, to be limited in its in its uh, application. So, and what I mean by that is, I, I think I want a crafting system as well. I want it to be more rudimentary weapons, not not like you know the Bronze Age, but I'm thinking like the 1800s, where even if you have a gun, it's it's five or six shots is the best that you really got. At a, at a sem, semi-automatic weapon, and uh, most of what you have is is crafted weapons like shanks and shivs and Molotov cocktails that you found out of. A, you find a whiskey bottle and you stick a handkerchief in it, and that's what you have to use, and that's your grenade. Um, and uh, you know the setting is still what I'd, I'd like it to be. Uh, you know, like I, I think I touched on this last time. You have these weapons because. You are in a you're in a Western town, like right at the turn of the century that um, and uh, we can get into we'll get into more of that, uh, more of the, the story part of it later. But, yeah, guns, knives, uh, clubs, Molotov cocktails that are made basically from, a, you know, a, a liquor bottle uh, and then crafted shivs, things like that. So you have you have a, you have a list of items you can find piece of glass you know and and or, or stuff like that um yeah a crafting system for sure but i want the weapons to be more uh, you know uh, uh i guess that that time frame 
less less overpowering you know uh, definitely limited a lot of, a lot of a lot i guess in line with what they do or used to do really well in the resident evil series where ammo was scarce um the last of us i guess is the best example or the closest to what i'm thinking um because i think in in uh the game you're talking about, oh, what was it? What's it called again? Dead Rising, I think. Dead Rising, yeah. Where I think I like the idea. I think that for me, I don't want it to be quite as like I can combine a you know a washing machine and a Gatlin gun. That was or the a, the shopping cart was my favorite man. That was <laughs> bloody cart. fantastic. Uh, you know, and I think that I think that's awesome. Uh, but I I want it to be much more limited, like you. Just because, even though you can be inventive with some of the stuff you you can do, I I don't I don't I want you to feel like almost claustrophobic in that that you have that the world is closing in on you and you only have so many things that you can use to protect yourself and so even protecting yourself might be the last resort that I I, I want hiding I, I don't want you to be able to use your weapons uh, at any time you want to I want it to be sparingly and and that to use them is a last resort I just feel like that adds a, a lot of tension to the game that is you know that that gets lost if you have unlimited ammo and all these different weapons you know hey I'll let my so. people have unlimited ammo but you strap an angler fish onto something you might attract something bigger <laughs> that's that's true and and that's also terrifying in its own way <laughs> um so story and writing what are you thinking in, uh, you you don't have to do everything or or tell me everything but kind of like where are you starting with your story you think well i definitely want it to be an open underwater world um, and I want things to feel more chaotic evil. You know what I mean? So I feel yeah. like in some games, it's quite obvious who the good characters and the bad characters are. And, you know, there's no redemption for the bad characters and the good characters are always good unless there's a twist and they betray you. You know, I, I feel like that's too systematic. So I think with my story and writing I want it to focus more on the Walking Dead side of things where the people are often the worst monsters um, right. but the more adept you are at surviving and the higher your level and the higher your skills the greater chance of a successful essentially role check like in D&D &D, against your yeah. character um, where if you're successful, maybe that person isn't hostile. You know, generally the default will be hostile until you level up. And it can take, you know, because it's this big, vast open world, it could take 10 levels before you encounter another person. So, you know, each time there's a bit of chaotic evil in that, you know, are they going to be good? Are they going to help you? Is there going to be something about their character that makes them more interested in your character I don't really want it to seem linear and I don't want there to be specific PCs and NPCs I want the potential for every character that you interact with to potentially become a party member based on where you're at when you interact with them because there's going to be so few people 
that all of them should be possible um, uh, like quest party members um, I didn't mean right. PC because you're the PC quest party members um, so really venturing out too early and meeting other uh, escapees of this plague or whatever happened on the surface might be detrimental to you experiencing the fullness of the game because the earlier you venture out better chance you'll run into somebody have an unsuccessful role and have to kill them defend yourself whatever you know run away any any yeah. number of things and then that could potentially block that person out from ever interacting with your character positively again so i i think that would make the story in writing much more interesting because they would need to write more androgynous characters so that any successful interaction could unlock a potential storyline from say x number of available storylines and whether that character you're acting with is a man or a woman shouldn't really make much difference you know what i mean you kind of have the full breath available um, from the beginning it's kind of like a random generator and random role checks deciding who it is you're actually interacting with not necessarily what skin it is so then once again it would be really hard for people to make walkthroughs and people to say oh well when you meet this character they're really useful at this and this and this like because it'll be different for everybody I like that I don't know how hard that would be to program but I like that I don't know but we can we can dream we will. We that's right. That's what this is. Um, so for me, I like I said, I've I've wanted this to be kind of set in a western town. I, I think one of the things that always fascinates me about that time, I think we romanticize how, you know, how what it was, what it was like when you watch a you know a western. But then you watch a movie like Bone Tomahawk, and I don't know if you've seen that movie. No. Um. Okay. Bone Tomahawk is a is a movie with Kurt Russell and the gist of it is um it is not the movie you think it is when you go into it. You think it's just like your typical spaghetti western. Well, it's not even a spaghetti western. It's just a western. But it ends up a horror movie. Oh. And uh it, I mean in in the most off-putting type of horror movie where like the type of movie like what Hostel was supposed to be, but but it, they did it better. I don't know. The Hills Have Eyes is to me the creepiest westerny horror movie. I think that it's I think it's in line with that because basically you have this you have these this tribe of Native Americans that and I I think they're Native Americans. Uh, they live in the kind of in the hills in the in the in the mountains caves and uh they're jacked they're huge and they're cannibals okay so basically the hills have eyes you <laughs> know in, in a way but but they they are they're covered in like this this white body paint and there's a scene like probably the most awful scene and spoiler alert for the next 20 seconds for bone tomahawk where they basically break a man in half in front of you and rip him apart. And then they, but it's like, you see his eyes, you see, you see all of it. And it's done in a way that's the, the worst. 
Uh, and <laughs> anyway, oh my God, how do I you see all sleep that. after that? You don't it, exactly. So you don't. You just close your eyes through that part of it. So I only know that that happened because I heard, I could hear it, and then I watched a video about it later that didn't show it. I was like, oh, so it did actually happen. Mm, okay. <laughs> uh, You're a grown adult you know, man, and you closed your not eyes. Not watch the it. Scary part. <laughs> Yes, yes, I did, Your Honor. Yes, yes, I did. Yeah, see, but (laughs) the real horror, like real horror, like that, is is the scariest stuff to me. That's that's the stuff, like really psychotic, crazy. That's why when I mentioned last week about the Donner Party, how I wanted to incorporate that as well, because that's people in the worst of circumstances becoming the worst of humanity. You know, right? Um. And that, to me, that is the scariest. That's the most horrific type of horror to me. I mean, that's Baba Yaga or, or the Baba Duke or any of the Babas. Any Babas. Um, any Babas uh, are, are scary because of jump scares or like the aesthetics. You can make something look scary. But when people just, when society and culture and, and social rules and all of that begins to degrade and you get to the, you know, to the base of people's and, and humanity's lost. That is the scariest to me. So I would like in the story to be set with two people, you have a a lawman and maybe his deputy and they're traveling and they get stuck in the weather the weather causes them or forces them to stop in a very small town, kind of like on the outside way from, you know, far from where they're supposed to be. Uh, and, and so you are greeted by maybe whoever is the, the local, you know, the, the authority there, the mayor of this very small town, he's the mayor. He's also the bartender or something. He owns the bar. Uh, and he stops you and says, Hey, can you help? Uh, we, we've, you know, we've, somebody's been murdered. We need, we need your help. You're a lawman, um, to get down to the bottom of this, you know, with the weather, the way it is, you know, the town is just really spooked and blah, blah, blah. And so from that point you have dialogue and you have options of going around and while you are going around and trying to solve this, other people are dying and people that maybe you've already spoken to, um, Based on the way you created your character, maybe you're able to get more dialogue options. Maybe you're able to be more forceful or aggressive. Uh, so taking bits from L.A. Noir, uh, from Mass Effect, you know, the, the dialogue tree should kind of resemble. It, it should reflect how I put my character together, but it also should give me enough options that I can actually fail and not get the information I need and ultimately change the path of the story so that this person who might not have died otherwise ends up dying because of something I did. Or it could change who actually did it because of the way that I go about my uh, my investigation. And I want it to be open world in that I can go in any order to any place that I want to. But I want the story to progress based on the direction that I go. So like you will progress through the night and it's open world and only that there are maybe two or three areas in the town. The town's like, let's say it's to scale. So it might take you 
45 seconds to ride over to the next part of the town but that's it right it's but the weather's so contained. bad that you couldn't venture out beyond you can't there. venture yeah, out beyond that, makes that. Sense. yeah um and so so it's you know it, it still feels big and it feels lived in but it's you know it's it's uh it's, it's the main street type type of town where the, you know the main absolutely, street's absolutely. got like ten buildings, and then everybody's houses is kind of more rural. Yeah, and outside of that, you know, so you, you you might have thirty locations at most, like a barn or or a church and and house individual houses, a saloon. You got a shop. You got everything that your typical small town, small western town might have. Um. And I think that so basically your your dialogue options, though, will are pivotal because it is going to dictate who lives and dies um, based on what I'm able to divulge. So maybe maybe and I, and I like the way that they do this in uh, the most recent games. Um, Man of Man of Medan, I think, is one of them. And the one before that, oh, you know, the one that was basically all of the horror cliches. You had the high school party, and based on your decisions and the quick time events, you might kill them. Well, it was a PlayStation game, so you probably yeah, I didn't play it, but I know the one that you're talking about because it didn't have a bunch of teenagers in it. Yes, it did. Yeah, I know yeah. the one you're talking about. I don't remember the name, but yeah, I know which one it is. Uh, super massive, I believe, is the the game or the uh, uh, developer. Let me see what. Somebody, somebody listening to this is like screaming what the name yeah. is. I remember Jim Sterling did an episode on it, and he was like, "Until dawn." Until dawn. Yeah, he he was like, "This one girl's just trying to get herself killed, like running off on her own all the time." <laughs> <laughs> she is, and I mean, and and you know, and and the and the girl who's the she plays the cheerleader, yeah, and, and uh, heroes. She just goes up and takes a bath in a house that's clearly horrifying uh no lights or power in it you know i'm not sure how they got hot water maybe they've got gas you know heater and uh and just goes decides to take a bath at the like the least opportune time um anyway one of the things in that that i really like one of the mechanics there is that if you really foobar that game you can get everybody killed yes everybody dies you know, and so if you really foobar this and, and I what I the only thing that I would like to change about that in my game is that you don't have a lot of agency. You don't have as much. Everything is very linear for the most part. So they they guide you through where you're supposed to walk. If you're being chased by something, you have like very short, you know, you have quick time events. So there may be four or five quick time events for you to avoid something. And it's a very cinematic which I think is great for that particular type of game. What I would like is much more atmospheric, much more much more involved, and you have a lot more agency. Like, you have to search for clues. You will also run into maybe, like, this individual, whoever's doing all the killing, will also have people who, is, who um, follow him, and you don't see him very often. Uh, and you came in, let's say your powder's not dry. <laughs> your guns are wet and you can't necessarily use them. So you have to craft makeshift weapons uh, along the way, you know, and, and, uh, and because there's not a lot of enemies there, um, you know, that you don't get a lot of information from even dispatching one of them. So 
um, so that doesn't give away a lot of the story. And I'd like, I'd Could like you it to imagine be... if you get them all killed and then you realize that you were the killer the whole time and yeah. like the, the bad guys that you thought that you were killing was actually you killing the innocent people. Cause you're like an undiagnosed schizophrenic. Absolutely. And, and yeah, something like shutter Island. That would like blow <laughs> my mind. We're at the end of it. it. It is you, you know, you're, you are the one. Um, that would be horrible. I mean, only if you get everyone killed, obviously. Maybe that's right. a different ending. Maybe that's the worst ending. Maybe that's the ending where you... Yeah. Shut her eye. That's the ending that would freak me the hell out, though. Whew. Well, I wrote it down, and, and we, I will figure out a way to see if we can make that be a thing. So that's that's my that's kind of the story. That's that's where I'm where I am with it. I think I definitely wanted to be western themed, uh, you know, storm and uh, and dark. Lots of lots of dialogue options. I think that's cool. And then uh, so lastly, and I may have kind of touched on this already, uh, the kind of the intercharacter, the dialogue, I think. Is that what we had? Yeah, so the last one is uh, NPC dialogue. So I think for me, mine's all about that that successful uh, stat role. So if you're successful in recruiting somebody into your party, then you're going to have to look after them in an even more hands-on way than you did in like Mass Effect. You know, like if you didn't look after your party in Mass Effect, they died. You know, like if you didn't do their right. side missions and things like that. Um, but with this one, it would be a little bit more like, and I think the game was Valiant Heart, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was another one of those like war ones. But there was a side scrolling style post apocalyptic game where you had people staying in the house with you and you had to look after them like emotionally. Um, ah. And they would like die if they got too depressed and things like that. So I don't here, think that was Valiant Heart, but no, that, it wasn't. That but it, like it came game. out like the same time as it. I'm maybe it'll come to me. Um, but with with that one, instead of them like becoming depressed and killing themselves, like their worst character flaw, kind of like you have to pick a character flaw on a D and D sheet. So the character flaw would be what actually happens so if you don't look after them and don't do their side quests you could end up living in your sub with a murderer or with a thief or with a liar or you know what i mean so like whatever their character flaw is that's what would become their predominant trait so you know everything could be hunky-dory in your little sub and then all of a sudden you don't pay enough attention to one of the people that are there with you that you recruit and they just start a murderous rampage or they steal all your supplies and peace out or um they get really fanatical and they convince everyone to like join a doomsday cult and things like that so it it's going to be important for you to like interact one-on-one -on -one everybody in your group but if you're successful with that you slowly start to build a uh, underwater flotilla so everybody that joins you brings pieces and additions to your submarine to 
hopefully at successful completion of the game, you actually have a thriving underwater city similar to Bioshock. In fact, this could even be like a prequel to Bioshock, um, even though nice. that exists. But you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that sort of, that could be the reason why an underwater city exists, like Atlantis or like Bioshock or, you know, whatever. It could be a result of that sort of thing. So... For me, the NPC dialogue is all going to be about trying to discover what the character's flaws are and um, what they need in order to be happy and productive members of and then finding ways to do that, whether that's through gifts or living space or living conditions or side missions or you know the type of relationship that they have with you, all of those sort of things you would need to uncover through dialogue. And I think that could be really interesting. It could be. I like that. Um, that's deep. Like, I'm in terms of mechanics, I mean, I think that's... But that's cool. I mean, it may be impossible, but who knows? I mean, I feel like <laughs> if a tabletop game has that sort of mechanic, though, it can't be impossible to code it in. You can give no, I think random it's absolutely flaws doable, to, you know... You know to the the people and yeah and it's just ones and zeros they'll figure that part out exactly go figure, figure that out, out. <laughs> <laughs> okay well and and i know i said a little bit of this um previously but or kind of in the last category but uh, you know i would like dialogue trees i like dialogue options your deputy i think is someone that you have that is not someone that you he's there this is not an escort quest in fact there are going to be some times where your deputy or whoever's you know you have that's aiding you can be sent on quests and i think that you can also pick up other npcs to help you based on how you handle the interviews with uh the you know the town folk um i think that the side quests and each one of the individuals that you go to based on the order in which you go to them and the side quests that are completed. Once you've completed all of the quests, there's something that signifies that that person is either safe or that you've, you've uh, eliminated them from, uh, you know, as a suspect. Uh, And because of that, you know, they're, they're either able to help you or, you know, they add, they add to the story in some form or fashion. So um, there's a reward for, completing whatever it is that their series of quests or their series of, 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 uh, conversations lead you on, you know? And so, um, but I think that depending on the order in which you have these conversations with them and it, it will change, it changes the story and, and, and it changes who, again, like I said, kind of who lives or dies. And I'll, I'll think about it over the next week or so, how I want that to kind of manifest ultimately, um, so that I can flesh out that game mechanic. But I like the idea of having replayability that if I don't go to this individual first, then maybe I never go to this section of town. Or if I, if I go to this individual first and I fail in their, their line of questioning, not only does that particular character p- potentially die, but it, it kind of knocks over the dominoes that lead to, you know, uh, it, it completely changes, you know, the instead of it being maybe a one Jack the Ripper type serial killer, you have, there's something outside external that ends up being the issue. So it can change, it changes it all t- altogether. Um, or, or like we said, if you, if you 
fail miserably on all of them, then you find out that really it was you the whole time. Yeah, I think it could be pretty interesting. I think you could bring in other elements like, you know, maybe it's like native Indian raiding parties or maybe it's like some sort of contagion killing people down in the mines or like like there's lots of like realistic things that it could be. Well, yeah, and that's kind of what I was I was getting at with the bone tomahawk is that maybe you do have this this group. That's what they're they're suspecting that it's this raiding party that basically just takes people out and then brings back the bones or just brings back pieces of them or whatever. And that's what you end up finding. Um, but I also I added that you came into the town with a fever, so um, that maybe you're you came in ill. And that there's a timer on it as well. Not only is the weather a time, but you might have to find resources and um, to, you know, medicine or something. Maybe, maybe this illness plays a role in your own reality. Maybe you're typhoid Mary. Maybe you are typhoid Mary. I think there's Mary, just so many different angles that you could go into. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you could, like, have, a, like, a Shanghai tunnel subplot. You could have, like, oh, man, there's so much that you could do. Like, th- this part of American history was not good, but it's good fodder for this sort of storytelling. For this, gen- yeah, this genre and this type of storytelling. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of, and, and again, it's, like, because of the lack of, of, of technology, to me, there's so much more from a horror standpoint that you could get away with. Uh, and I mean, I mean that in the least sadistic, horrifying, terrible, <laughs> thought provoking way possible, you know, because to me, that's the scariest. And I, I know I, I, I mentioned this before, but I finished, you know, mind hunters, the TV show or the show on Netflix. And part of what makes that show to me so tense and, and terrifying it's because you had all these serial killers back before social media, back before you could surveil every waking hour and movement of somebody, you know, and they were able to just kind of function and live and, and murder and nobody could catch them. Didn't the first guy have like a whole murder house? I swear the first serial killer famously had like 12 rooms and like trap doors and all sorts. Yeah, I mean, there's there's all kinds of stories like that in New Orleans, you know, in the 1800s and the early 1900s of, you know, and they'll they'll tie it to like voodoo and all kinds of other stuff. But it's it's it. I mean, it, the, the truth sometimes is even scarier. And as they say, stranger than fiction. So. I mean, in I think it's Spokane. They if you went to a bar and you were traveling alone and you were there late. They would uh, a trap door underneath the bar stool would open and it would plop you into tunnels where you'd get sold into slavery. There you That's go. That's what it means to be Shanghai. There you go. That's how about that? Yeah, there's a bit of That's history. That's not scary. You guys or can Google that. It's horrifying. They still have all the shoes in the tunnels. Wow. Yeah, I don't remember if it's Spokane or Portland or Seattle, but it's uh, it's up there in the upper northwest. And would they just have them to build railroads? Or? Well, they would sell them into slavery for loads of different sort of reasons. Wow. Oh, well, that's not 
scary at all. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, all right. Well, that brings us uh, to the end and wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel Gamecast. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this episode will be posted on our site, templeofgeek.com. I can't wait till this this we get to the end. This game, I think, is going to be... I think these are going to be pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think these are going to be pretty cool. If you'd like to add to the discussion or reach out with, uh, with questions, sound off in the comments or email us at retrorebel at templeofgeek.com. If you like what you hear, head over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and subscribe so you'll be sure to get each episode as it's released. And rate us because that really helps our show. Until the next time. See you later. 